He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting Mac Together podcast for Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. I think it's Tuesday. It is Tuesday. If I'm recording this in the morning before 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, it is Tuesday. I'm recording this in a different place this morning because... Against all probability, my daughter is asleep. And if I were to be, yeah, at 8 a.m. Pacific, my daughter is still asleep, which means she's either growing or she's sick. <laughs> but in any case, it's great that she's still sleeping. However, she's usually long awake by 8 a.m. And the podcast studio is directly below her room. So I have moved with the uh, assistance of the mobile recording setup. Uh, to another room, to the kitchen, the breakfast table. <laughs> and it really, when we talk about our kitchen, it really is a nook uh, to record this morning's podcast. So the sound might be a bit different, and I might have a, this is the expression, uh, a, a slight more greater self-awareness than I might normally have because I feel like two people could immediately arrive over my shoulder and, or or even hearing them stirring up above, I might lower my voice to tell you some real man stuff <laughs> any any case happy new year to you uh, I, I hope uh, I, I hope good things for you I hear a lot of snarkiness I feel like with people say oh there's not much to be excited about in 2024 and remember life is not supposed to be uh, a box of chocolates life is not supposed to be rainbows and puppy dogs and unicorns 24 7 and it does seem like a horrific place out there but we still have to go, so let's let's not dwell. Let's be aware of what's happening out there, but let's not dwell. Let's not have it suck us down. Let's let's rely on one another. Let's let's make the good connections, forge the positive relationships, maintain, reach out, connect with people you haven't seen, who you like, who you align with. Uh, when it comes to your values, when it comes to yeah, you know what, you should tip a server a fair amount. You know what I mean? Like you share values with someone, uh, connect with them. There is, there's a lot if you look for it every day to be fucking miserable about. But let's not look for it. Let's stay focused on. I'm being serious here, okay? I could mock this. And here comes the self-help. Um, the self-help part is never a mockery. I'm I'm sincere. But let's remain focused on the two to three most important things in our lives. What are mine? You know that. They are my family, and they are financial independence and artistic fulfillment. I'm focused on those three things every single day. Baked into that, of course, is that I want to live to see my daughter's 30th birthday, which, <coughs> excuse me, is in 25 years. How did I do that? How am I committed to doing that? Well, yesterday, I... What am I telling you? I'm, I'm telling you how I'm trying to walk the walk on those three things. Yesterday, my wife had a cold, so my daughter and I spent a f most of the day, the two of us, at the playground. A two-mile walk we took. Prior to that, I ran for six miles. I played the piano. I'm, uh, I'm taking care of my body. I'm, taking care, I'm trying to take care of my mind. I'm expressing myself uh, best I could artistically in, in a moment of uh, temporary moment of being the sole parent all day. We took a shower. We did, we did it all yesterday. I think focusing on the two or three things most important to you will simplify life. Can you 
can you trust that the world is doing awful things that there's greed and bigotry and everything else horror in the world yeah you can you can trust that you can touch base with it you can have it have have your positivity to connect to the idea that you're part of something that is a counterweight to that despite how overwhelming that counterweight might feel or how overwhelmed that counterweight might feel at times your boss you know they're getting screwed by the same company that's screwing you over keep that in mind okay <laughs> never really thought about it that way they're being screwed over your boss is being screwed over just as much as you are they just have figured out how to play the game a little bit better and i encourage you to look at what they're doing see the soul that they have sold and the self-respect they've left at the door and do a little bit of that yourself <laughs> it will put you in a better place i went for a six mile run yesterday all of my miles were under nine minutes my garmin watch that i inherited from my wife a couple years ago <clears throat> the most exciting part about it is is running that most exciting part about running now is your watch shows you the garmin will tell you if you are uh, unproductive like it, it does this math with your distance and pace and it's taking your heart rate and a couple other things i guess some other readings that it's then I don't care if it's selling it to Zuckerberg. I, I, I enjoy the Garmin now telling me what I'm doing. But it rates your running on, was your run unproductive? Was your run, uh, were you maintaining? Were you productive? So lowest to highest. Unproductive, maintaining, productive, and then the best one is peaking. And really all you want especially if you go on a six mile run is anything other than unproductive and yesterday i got maintaining so i'll take it, it does seem like there's some movement upstairs in the uh in the in the pipes as it were i can the, the, we have an old house you can hear the pipes you can hear the water coursing through the pipes i hope it represents people that have emptied their bladders people that have brushed their teeth with great vigor my daughter is out of school for one more day so my wife and i are uh do -si doing child care today and then the girl is back at school tomorrow two or three things that's it simplify it it really does make it it really does make it easier and you know as we occasionally talk about getting distracted by the errata of life and phone and social media, which everyone seems to struggle with. What, what I find that does is it just pulls you in a million different directions, and they're definitely up because one of the dogs is yelling. It pulls you in a million different directions and rabbit holes that you feel like you never can sufficiently cap, like an oil well in the middle of Kuwait that Saddam Hussein lit on fire because he's an asshole and was getting throttled, I guess, in an unfair fight between the United States and uh, Iraq. And here comes everyone. Hello, lady. Good morning. Do you want to say good morning to the podcast? Good morning. Good morning. Do you know how long you slept? How Forever. You slept almost 12 hours. We, we have a very 
special guest to say hi to the podcast. The podcast is recording, Mom, just FYI, before Mom yells something horrific at me. Her name is Isabella. Isabella, welcome to the podcast. Can you... <laughs> I didn't, I've never heard her voice before. Here she is. She's talking to you. Hello, Isabella. Say hello. Hello. And there we go. All right. I apologize for all the shenanigans. We're back in the Studio A, where the podcast is usually recorded. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago I I had some additional self-awareness when I knew people were in the house while I was recording the podcast. But all of that's disappeared because I just had... As you heard, the podcast uh, suffer a pitch invasion. <clears throat> Excuse me, as if it were we were in the terraces in 1985 at the Den when Millwall was hosting West Ham, and it would be bloody. <clears throat> I appreciate you suffering through the transition. My wife thought it was going to be funny. She said that was her <clears throat> comedic moment to start grinding uh, coffee beans, and I said, "Well, you know, you got to suit your shots." <laughs> Not sure it landed. <clears throat> what I was saying about the Garmin is it re- reported to me yesterday that I was, what? I was maintaining, and you'll take that. You just don't want unproductive. When you go on a run, you're like, wow, that feels good. <sighs> I can't wait to see what the Garmin tells me. Am I maintaining? Am I being productive? And then it tells you, nope, dude, unproductive. So day one of uh, 2024 was Productive Fitness Day building on my previous fitness. But no, I'm not setting any resolutions. I'm just going to continue to do, as I talk about in every single podcast, more of what makes me feel most like myself. And that is talking to you, writing, playing music, telling jokes, having a goddamn stand-up comedy room, going on the road, all these things, all these things that I'm just going to keep doing and I'm going to do more of. I'm going to continue to post those little reels, beginning with another one coming today. I'm going to focus on making them funny <laughs> if I can. I hate uh, in here. Uh, uh, actually, I have a, a list of ones that uh, I will just auction off for you. How about people standing in doorways? What is the deal? It was one of my great. You probably noticed that the shit that pisses me off is when I feel like people take more of the public space than is theirs. It's definitely a theme with me. It's probably why I, I, I don't know, it's aligned with my, or connected to my um, distrust of, well, everything. But big business, big corporate. Two things. One is you, it's big taking advantage of little. And two, it's also hypocritical. We're all supposed, we're all supposed to have this shared space, I think. Any case, I don't want to make a big mountain out of it, but people standing in doorway, doorways drives me crazy because <clears throat> it's that self, lack of self-awareness people have where it's like, hey, dude, somebody else might want to use this, what an engineer might call an affordance to get through. I feel like lowering my shoulder into people when they're standing in the doorway. And what are they trying to do? What, what is their insecurity? They're trying to straddle both worlds. They want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to be part of the thing, but then they also want to be moving on to the next thing, but maybe they have FOMO and they, they're stuck in between the two places. It's like, 
what's going on with you, a person who stands in the doorway? Just commit. I don't like you taking the public space. People need to use it as a through fair. But what is it that compels you? Was it something deeper, Captain? The person who stands in the doorway, I think, probably is not all that attentive as a lover. Because they're just unaware of what other people are experiencing. You could say that really about anything. That's what my gripe with the world is. I've, I've had a series of selfish lovers. <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be funny to find the uh, alleged lovers across my life and ask them, do you think, you would you characterize yourself as selfish in bed with him? <laughs> or if there's a needle of selfishness toward you or toward him, where do you think it would land? I would just, that would be an interesting, <laughs> that would be an interesting survey to take. He seems to think he was the most charitable, generous, patient, <laughs> lover. Do you agree with that? He said you were really in it for yourself. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't that be funny to get my post hoc assessment? My debrief, my exit interview. Hey, how was everything? He seems to be uh, asleep. He seems to think that everything went really well. What do you, what do you, what's your take on that? Well, you know, I have a lot of my day back that I didn't think I was going to have. I thought I'd be... Because <laughs> he said it was great. Do you share that appraisal? Uh, is there anything that could have gone differently that would have improved your satisfaction or connected to this, this larger mission we have here? Well, yeah, we could still be doing it. There would be a few more questions and less... Fewer, fewer statements. <laughs> That's what it is. People who stand in doorways are selfish lovers. Uh, the next one, I'll just, I'll just read what, what I'm thinking about here because uh, I wrote these down over the holiday break. Uh, someone, someone said, I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm not going to say I told you so. <clears throat> well, you are when you say... I'm not going to say I told you so. It's like don't think of a pink elephant. I can't you can't do that. You hold it in your head. I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you I told you so, which uh is worse than telling him. I would read that look this is this is why we're getting our acts together here. Someone who tells you, I'm not going to tell you I told you so, is worse than someone who simply tells you, I told you so. Because it, there's a ceiling to how much of a jerk the person and how much of a uh, what's the word? Unsympathetic, unempathetic person. There's a ceiling to how, how much what am I, how little empathy someone can show you when they say, hey man, I told you so. I, I, I told you so. And you're like, fuck yeah, you did. And thanks for reminding me, you jerk off. And that's kind of like as, as bad as it can get in that situation. But if someone says, I'm not going to tell you I told you so, their potential impact and their lack of empathy they're showing you is greater because they're going to establish the, uh, I'm not going to show you, uh, I, 
that are going to establish the I told you so ceiling. Like, hey, I told you so. I, I told you. I told you. But they're going to exp- they're going to raise up above that. They're going to shatter that I told you so ceiling, that lack of empathy ceiling by lifting themselves as and holding themselves out as better. While they're showing you lack of empathy, they're also showing you, hey, uh, I think that I'm better because I'm not doing that directly. When really they're twice as lack unempathetic as the other person who just said, I told you so, because they're pretending like they're not telling you so. And all you're doing is showing that you're a jerk off. All right. So it's worse. I would rather you tell me I told you so than tell me you're not going to tell me I told you so. Because that's even more condescending, you prick. Okay, two for two, right? These are going to go. <laughs> if I put these into reels. The uh, one I posted the other day about body positivity, body sensitivity, you body sensitivity. If you have, by the way, you can when you're doing that after action report, he seemed to be very pleased with his body. What did you, <laughs> what did you think about that? And let's see what they say in those situations. It was okay. Right? And I'm sure there are lots of comics who have jokes about size mattering and not, and it's not my field, really, to talk about. When you're blessed as I am, you don't. (laughs) But I do think it's a little dodgy when someone, like a woman, would say, "Uh, you're perfect for me. Or, or you're fine just the way you are. Because what that sort of brings into the room is, uh, for me, you're, you're fine for me. Like, I have some girlfriends would be, like, this would not be sufficient. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> But for me, I happen to like you, and it's good enough. That's kind of what it says there. You're perfect just the way you are. I will overlook your shortcoming here, and... Uh, you know, it's fine. It's good enough. I have a job. We have we all go out to dinner. That that aspect of our lives does not does not you know unnecessarily <laughs> determine the course of our relationship. You're fine just the way you are. I think you're perfect. My girlfriends would laugh at it, but you know it's fine just the way you are. Real I put up where I talked about if you have enough time and scrutiny you can find something to be insecure about with your body just like you can focus on the misery in the world go for it make yourself more upset how do you stop it you stay off your phone you exercise you eat well you make connections with people you care about who share your values you give of yourself you demonstrate empathy for others you volunteer, do something for other people. It's a great antidote to feeling like shit, okay? But if you spend enough time looking at your own body, you can come up with things that you can be insecure about when you are working with a masterpiece like my own. <laughs> I joked on that podcast or the reel that I'm sure at one time in my life I was insecure about my earlobes. It's like, dude, get off the fucking get off the cross mary there is not enough wood like just get on with the day but you know who really if and if you're insecure with your body or certain parts of it let me tell you this you know who's most insecure with their bodies this is wild people with perfect bodies that's why they spend 
99 hours of every day trying to make sure they look perfect, pursuing ephemera, pursuing a prototype that doesn't exist, that they can't replicate. As someone with a perfect body, you know how much stress it causes me? <laughs> but people with perfect bodies are always stressed about not being perfect. And they're always striving for perfection. And while they may achieve it in some subjective sense, they're never pleased. They're never, they're never fulfilled. They're never at ease. They're never happy is really what I'm getting at. They're not happy. So be glad you don't have a perfect body is what I'm trying to say. Speaking of get off the cross, Mary, and I, that's, that's one, two, three. Those could be little wheels. One, two, three. Um, one, two, three little reels. Speaking of get off the cross, Mary, there's not enough wood, which is a an expression that I heard in the gay community in my 20s. And I'm using right now. Get off the cross. Like, you know, stop whining. Just get back to work. Being on the West Coast and... Uh, Un, unemployed as a stand-up comic. I, when, I mean, when have I been home on New Year's Eve? I was home on New Year's Eve. But being on the West Coast, I got to catch a little bit of the CNN celebration with Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen, which I'd heard so much about, but I'd never seen. I was like, I'm always working on New Year's Eve. And it lived up to the hype. I got to tell you, Andy Cohen is very funny. Do you know Andy Cohen from Watch, you know, Watch... Andy Cohen, who is a gay man of great success. And I say gay man because I'm sure he had a childhood, or I imagine he had a childhood, like so many gay men I know, where he was picked on, made to feel like an asshole, treated horrifically by people like me, who resemble me, right? Straight guys. Straight guys made life miserable for gay guys. I'm sure I have, I don't know, miserable, but I'm sure I, I tell you, I think I've only used the F word when I was a much, much younger man to refer to straight guys. I don't think I've ever said to a gay guy, but it doesn't matter. I'm a straight dude. I'm sure I've been part of a world, a culture that has made life less comfortable for gay people like Andy Cohen, gay dudes like Andy Cohen. Lesbians, you know. <laughs> um, but not for a very, very long time, and hopefully in my life for only a very, very short time or selectively. Not that I was like, you know, this is not right or wrong. I always had bigger fish to fry and always knew that I was a bigger problem than anybody else. Like, gay, you know, like, it's why I probably... Uh, was not, and also I was not indoctrinated into a culture of um, hating gay people or hating other races. I just, I had, I was more fucked up and had my own thing to worry about. And you know what? That's a lesson for you, you goddamn maniacs online that I've been talking about last time. Lift yourself up out of it. It's not someone else's fault. It's, it's your, it's not even your fault, but you have the reins, take the reins and lift yourself up out of it. In any case, Andy Cohen I think, as a gay man, is having his revenge on straight people by showcasing some of the worst of us on television every single night and then bringing them into reunion shows to uh, sort of wind them up and have them further debase themselves by throwing drinks on each other. 
hats off to him. He's winning. What I didn't know about Andy Cohen is he's hilarious. He had his full cat out on New Year's Eve. And I guess that's what everybody expects. The left likes it. The right hates it. Two gay guys on CNN. <laughs> CNN is really sort of planting its flag because when the ball dropped at 9 p.m. Pacific, we're watching this. The first thing they cut to is like two dudes making out in the middle of Times Square, which is great. That shouldn't be a story, but it just looks like a knife into the heart of... Uh, you know, the other side of the country. So anyway, Anderson Cooper, who I always have liked, who I do think his brand and credibility, this is odd to say because I'm somebody who does wildly different things in my own life and don't want my credibility in any specific area question because of what I do in other aspects of my area. I do think Andy Cohen's credibility as a journalist is somewhat shaken by the fact that he's doing shots on TV. Isn't that weird? I should be able to accommodate that. Did I say Anderson Cooper? I meant Anderson Cooper. The guy who the guy who's standing in a battlefield in Ukraine, who's standing in famines in Africa. He's a journalist. He's a Vanderbilt, but he's also a journalist. You know, he's doing he's doing the he's doing the thing. It's just it's a little odd to see him doing shots in the middle of Times Square. And then like Monday night, you're going to be back to Anderson Cooper reporting the news. And this is election insurrection overthrow. Like, hey, weren't you the guy that I just saw like doing shots? We should be able to accommodate the whole Anderson Cooper. And you know what? Talking about it with you is going to help me do that. I'm going to get it from these women when I leave here because 9 to 5 is out there and they're having a great time and I'm in here getting paid just a little bit more. But I can hear them cranking 9 to 5 in the rest of the house. I should be able to accommodate Anderson Cooper doing shots on New Year's Eve and then the next day talking about, you know, Darfur or talking about uh, white supremacy in the White House or white supremacy in the FBI or whatever it is. United States military. I should be able to make that accommodation. And I will. But it's just strange. And now I feel like I'm going to say, would Walter Cronkite have been having a cosmopolitan <laughs> in the middle of Times Square while Andy, Andrew, Andy Cohen is mincing around next to him? The first piece, it's a little unusual for me, I guess, to see a journalist of such prominence doing shots on TV. That's just unusual to me. I think it's great. I think he should be able to do it, but it's just a little, huh, that was interesting. But Andy Cohen won the night for me because he didn't give a fuck what he was saying. And apparently, like, this is the big let's have him, let's not have him on the show question that I guess CNN has. CNN, uh, have him. He's great. He is so catty, and he was talking shit about the mayor. You know what really made... He was talking shit about the mayor, but the funniest thing was when they cut to this reporter, I guess, or correspondent at some party in Miami, I think, and she's, like, dancing with this guy who is quite obviously a gay guy, and he's having the time of his life. She's like, oh, my gosh, I love everything that's happening. <laughs> they cut to... Andy Cohen, I'm sure it's become a meme by now. They cut to Andy Cohen, who's like, 
I hope she doesn't think anything's happening there because he is strictly dickly. <laughs> he says that on CNN, which, again, if you're like of Dan Rather's ilk, you're sitting at home like, what the fuck are we doing here? He just said strictly dickly. <laughs> so, and, and then Anderson Cooper, who also is gay, starts cracking up and also is supposedly the paragon of journalism. And then they show and Andy Cohen like he's like sort of almost like talking to himself while you can tell he's getting shit off camera maybe in a good lighthearted way for saying strictly dickly. <laughs> he's like, well, it's true. The guy showed me, he, like every time I've seen him on those shows with the celebrities, he's like half petting them, half putting them in a good place. You know what? He's he's playing the game. But on the New Year's Eve thing I saw the other night, I was like, the guard came down, and this is the Andy Cohen I know is there at brunch. This is the Andy Cohen I know is in the Hamptons that would be roasting the fuck out of me and my raggedy-ass sweats and all that stuff. That's, I saw a new Andy Cohen is hilarious, and you only get a one one-hundredth of that if you've ever seen him on any of those shows where he puts all the housewives or celebrities together and has them fight. Then he's just kind of like ringmaster. <clears throat> like I said, he's played the game. He knows he can't act like he does at midnight on New Year's Eve every day at work on A&E or Bravo or wherever he works. By the way, Bravo used to be for the arts, okay? <laughs> Bravo used to be like, welcome to Bravo. We're going to walk you around some obscure museum, museum in Sofia, Bulgaria. Now it's like... <laughs> Here's some more silicone. And I love it. It's America. Uh, all right. What else do we have here? Oh, don't be the beat traffic guy. Right? Who, who's the guy who wants to beat traffic? Like I said, have I talked about this guy before? I've been him before. That's why I'm knocking it. I'm really roasting. Anytime any of these are roasts of other people, generally speaking, they're probably roasted myself. Though I never stand in the goddamn doorway. The beat traffic guy? Hey, let's get out of here early to beat traffic. And you're taking that person, the person that's with you, from the good time. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't want to beat traffic. They want to stay at the good time. Do an exit interview after that date, after that relationship. How were they as a lover? Well, they were, they were very practical. <laughs> we never once encountered... Uh, other vehicles in a world of 7 billion people that kept us from getting home and getting to bed on time. We had an efficient uh, sexual interaction that, uh, that was best described as pragmatic. It was a practical, we took a very practical approach and uh, then, we, then we pulled up the sheet and we said goodnight, and we turned off our lamps at the same time, and went to bed. The guy who beats traffic, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave and beat traffic. Okay, well, you're going to be by yourself, first of all, which is maybe the goal. You're going to be away from all the fun stuff. But, the, but what I'm curious about is make sure that the person who's with you really values that like you do. Because a lot of times, it's fun to stay until the end. And you know what? You know who has the most fun? <laughs> the person who stays past traffic. <laughs> Why don't you challenge yourself in 2024 to 
Say, I'm the person who's going to miss traffic. You go out at night and you go to a thing. We should leave early to beat traffic. No, do the opposite. Stay. Watch the whole curve, the whole progression. Those people leave early to beat traffic and you're like, that is a really practical. Tell me about your man. What is he like? Is he march to the beat of his own drum? Yes, but in a way that's um, very practical. He, he'll, he'll leave something that everyone is enjoying just a little early uh, and then tell himself that he's smarter than everyone else. Oh, is that fun for you? I don't know. It's fun? No, I wouldn't characterize it as fun. It was, um, you know, I wanted to see what happened at the end, but I understand the guy likes to beat traffic, and I don't know if it's going to be a long-term relationship. I, I want somebody who wants to have fun and maybe take a chance and maybe go the distance and see the arc of traffic, and now everybody leaves. No one wants to be exactly like those people. Because now they're leaving in a glut and they are going to be stuck in the parking garage for two and a half hours in the freezing cold and the card reader won't let them pay because it uh, you know, can't connect to the old internet, whatever the case might be. But then there's going to be another group of people, the real mavericks, <laughs> who stay past traffic. Beat traffic guy, hyper practical, at home, goes to sleep with his t-shirt tucked into his boxers. That guy, that's who I'm talking about. Tuck, can you imagine the psychopathy of tucking your t-shirt into your boxers before you go to bed? That's what beat traffic guy is doing. Then the horde goes out. Everybody leaves. But then there are a few mavericks, like I said, who are talking to the staff while they're breaking down, maybe sharing Heineken, maybe getting some real moment in life that beat traffic guy and the horde didn't get. I don't know. Don't be the guy... Who tries to beat traffic? This is one that I think is going to require a little bit of investment on my time. The goddamn cyclists. Nobody likes cyclists, right? And and it's it's passe probably. We, we all have agreed we don't like people who fucking dress up like jockeys and go riding bikes, right? Particularly in cities, I should say. Nobody likes cyclists, not bikers, cyclists. Why does a cyclist wear a GoPro on his head? I think the answer is because they want to film you reacting to them riding their bikes like assholes. And asserting your fucking bike as if you were a a car. And you're not. And you can jump up on the leave. And you know who leaves early? Cyclists. They beat traffic. Well, literally. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're trying to do by riding their fucking bikes, I guess. Throw it on the L, take it down two stops, you beat traffic. The cyclist is someone who is going to leave early to beat traffic. The cyclist is someone who is universally reviled. There is nobody who's sitting in their vehicle, their car, their truck, their SUV, their van, you know, staking out a Chuck E. Cheese, whatever it is, watching a cyclist go by and like, that guy's fucking pretty badass. I love the candy cane colors. I love the way 
you look like such a goof. Riding in and out and yelling, always in fucking some dispute with the good motorists out there. The good motor. I don't care what the law says, dude. Cyclist jumping up and down. No, the law says this. The law says maybe the lion shouldn't eat you when you're out in the jungle or you're out on the savannah or you're out in the Serengeti. Or the lion kills with neither malice nor remorse. It's just the way it goes, dude. The law might be on your side, but you're out here among the thieves. You're among the, the vehicles. So just shut the fuck up and be glad that we don't just intentionally run you over. That's why they wear the GoPro, because they're going to ride like dicks. And then you're going to say, hey, fucko, don't you see there are 600 cars here? Get out of the fucking way. There's no bike lane here. This is Atlanta, dude. Nobody gives a shit. California, that's right. We are all hippie liberals out here. You would hate it, rest of the world. There's like 45 bike lanes on every street. And you can't figure out where to park, where to turn. The whole city, the whole state is run by a bunch of long hairs. <laughs> the cyclists have won. But it's going to require some further investment on this thinking about these JOs who ride their bikes all over, the, the cyclists. Because as much as they are reviled, you got to respect them. I hate to say this out loud. you got to respect them a little bit. Because they not only do you respect someone who is so comfortable with themselves to dress like such a fucking goof. You know what I mean? You never see, why don't you ever just see a cyclist who has, I get wanting to wear like body, thermal, whatever appropriate clothing, but you never see a dude just wearing black shorts and a black top. It always has to be this like sherbet looking ridiculous, I'm Lance Armstrong. You're not, dude. Okay? So first of all, you have to respect them for dressing like such literal payasos, like clowns. You have to respect someone who will go out like that with those ballet shoes and that little dorky hat. You have to respect them. You have to respect the self-security of the person who's willing to do that. As hard as it is for me to say, first and foremost, clicking around, trying their best stubbornly not taking their feet out of the pedals at the stoplight until they're just trying not to tip over. And you're like, God, I hope this guy is just learning this skill so he does tip over into that truck and that bigger man gets out and strangles the cyclist. They don't even put their foot down at the stop sign. They just kind of like balance. Also, they do run stop signs and stoplights, which... Hey, man, if you want to be treated like a car, you got to drive like us because we should not have to be pulling through a stop sign or a stoplight and have to go, oh, shit, I just almost hit a biker who ran that light. That's a point down for you. Anyway, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to stop this rant about these asshole cyclists because I want to get the podcast up in time for noon Eastern on this Tuesday. But I hate to say you got to respect them. You also have to respect them just on a mono e mono or mono a mono. What are, what are the expressions? You have to respect the fact that they're out there like goofs and 
trying to mix it up with everybody. There's some alphaness in there that mandates you respecting that. The fact that they're all like skinny, like white dudes between the age of like 40 and 70 kind of also adds like a sense of entitlement to them doing this. But they're also dreamers, you know, they want a world in which we think what they do is cool and that world will never exist. And that's why they should all move to Europe and just enjoy the summer riding around where I don't even think they like them in Europe because I always see them, you know, getting heckled when they're riding through the mountains during the Tour de France. I got to come back to this. You have to, you have to, I hate to say you have to respect a cyclist. Anyway, those are just a few of these little reels that I'm going to post. And uh, I appreciate you listening while I'm trying to get my act together. Making inquiries about another room in San Diego. Um, you know what you have to do. I'm, I'm, I don't tell anybody what to do. I try to share with you what I'm doing. Um, but I encourage you to have a, a gr- I don't encourage you. I want you to have a great week. Have a great week. I just say it declaratively. Have a great week. And I will talk to you. This will be up. I have time to get this up. Perfect. By noon on Monday, I did what I said. I apologize for the ladies coming in and ruining. <laughs> Isabella got to join. Um, any case, have a great week, and I'll talk to you on Friday, January 5th, the day before the big reunion, January 6th.